Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Rad Life Podcast. And this week we're going to, or yes, this week we're going to be talking about another installment of the Rad Life Portfolio. Uh, this is definitely my favorite series. If you can't tell, it's been the only thing I've uploaded for a little while, except for last week I finally got uh, another episode of Book Review with Chelsea done. And I hope you all enjoyed that episode. I know the target audience of the two types of episodes don't really overlap that much but uh in terms of thanks for your viewership and it's really fun to record both both of them uh yeah i've been really busy the pe- this start of this year with different volunteer things but i'm going to try to keep uploading for you guys uh, now that it's summertime some of my uh, extracurricular activities have kind of slowed down so I'm going to try to get back to the weekly upload schedule and have more guests for you guys and really try to pump out the content a little bit more. But in this episode of Rad Life uh, Stock, the Rad Life Portfolio, again, I have G and Big Todd back. Uh, it's a lot of fun talking about the market with these guys. Um, I could talk about the market all day. I watch it kind of obsessively. Um I'm always researching and looking for new stocks. Uh, just the market's been crazy, and uh, been having a little trouble doing or finding research on companies that I've really liked at this point because I think just there's a lot of things overvalued, and like I like the company, but I don't like the price it's at. Just different things like that. So trying to come to you guys with a different pick each month. Uh, has its challenges, but it's still a lot of fun to do this research and come talk about it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy, and uh, we'll get. I'll let you guys jump right into it. All right, let's get started and hop right into it. Uh, so, <laughs> the market these days, man, it's crazy. All right, so don't forget your disclaimer that this is not financial <laughs> advice. Right, right. Please don't take it. Make sure you do your own research and homework. Do your own research. It's not financial advice. It's for entertainment purposes only. Uh, At least I speak for myself when I say I do not know what I'm doing. I would agree. (laughs) I I also do not know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Well, I hope not. You're our resident expert. Yeah, if you said that, we'd be running for the hills. Right. (laughs) <laughs> you'd be like we're doing this why <laughs> so i guess jumping in we normally talk about general market sentiment and something along those lines initially and the market's been kind of wild it's up and down well, i don't know so uh several weeks ago it was wild it was down it was up it was down it was up volatility was crazy um I was doing a lot of buying in that time frame, uh, nibbling on things I already own that were were falling during the day, and I was buying them, and then they would uh, eventually retrace either the next day or the same day. You, so I was you, I was pretty happy. Were uh, you selling, or were you just holding? Just what's that? Were you selling for profit, or are you just holding on? <laughs> I was holding on. I was buying things, more things, yeah. more of what I already owned. All right. Okay. Yeah. So then, then we had maybe what a week of uh, an up market. Everybody was feeling pretty good. 
uh, I think that was the week going into Memorial Day. And then, uh, and then uh, I think this week we, we had some some more ugliness when uh, people like Elon Musk and Jamie Dimon come out and said, "Man, there, this is crazy. There's a lot of weirdness out there, and uh, I think we're going to have some inflation and we're going to have some uh, uh, a recession." The big R word came up again, and uh, that seemed to drive the market back down and. Well, I don't want to, we constantly bring up Tesla here, but <laughs> Elon Musk, again, says he's laid off 10% of his salaried people because he has a funny feeling about the economy. So yeah, I, I, felt, I thought that was a pretty interesting phrase for a goofy guy like him. He says, I got a funny feeling. <laughs> I, I don't know what to that, make of that. That was but, highly technical. Right. I mean, you never know what that guy's going to say on Twitter, but... <laughs> Yeah, but the thing about it is, is he's a he's a person. When he says things, he moves the market, right? right. And so you have to you have to be very very careful. So uh, in all in all fairness and all reality, though, um, things we know, uh, prices of gasoline is going off the charts. Uh, food at the grocery store and at restaurants is off the charts. Um, go to any any store and you're going to look at stuff and you're going to go, what? They want what? And so these are these are all things that are shocking the um, the consumers. And this is a consumer based economy. At the same time, uh, unemployment still comes in very low, and that makes the Fed be want to be very aggressive. You also have still rising oil uh, and a strong dollar. So Microsoft this week came out and said that their profits at the end of the year were going to be hurt because of exchange rate on the dollar. So those are those are confusing, confusing things because um, oil is rising with the dollar as the dollar strengthens. But we're in inflation that just doesn't. Those two things are kind of they they don't really compute. So I don't know what the what the driving force is in there, other than maybe the global economy is uh, worse off than we are. <laughs> worse off than we are, and they're running to the dollar. I mean, could be true. You hear all this about. I've I've been seeing a lot of reports talking about Turkey's inflation going crazy, but I don't think Turkey really matters that much. So. Not to our market, at least. <laughs> Not to our market. So those are those are things that we know, and and like I said, some of them are contradictory. Um, you know, but you know, you're you're reading the Peter Lynch book, and basically, he's telling you is is you know when you're out about out and about, look around and see what's happening, see what people are doing, and um, I've, I'm starting to see people hunker down. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of so I read a lot of market uh, articles um, pretty often and people still like analysts and people in their ivory towers still seem to have a pretty bullish outlook. But every day on the street, I live in a really wealthy area and these people are still like starting to spend less and hunker down more because inflation is crazy and uh, just the overall market sentiment seems to be really down even in a wealthy area like me so i see a difference between what some 
like analysts are saying in terms of, oh, earnings are still great. This is, I mean, the perma bulls, I guess you will say. And I guess what's happening in real life and what I'm seeing. Are you seeing anything? Are you making any observations, G, on the state of the world? <laughs> um, like things like you see every day. <laughs> a lot of people that I work with, uh, at least like that supervise with me, um, we're all pretty young, so we feel pretty like we're like, oh, like this is a great time to buy. Like this is like just because I'm looking, you know, through through the lens of Big Todd, I've learned that like, you know, I don't have to hold this till tomorrow. <laughs> I can hold it. I can hold it for like, you know, I don't know, like Tesla being 600 in like the mid 600s for a, a day or so. I was like, oh, that's that looks like a good buy to me. Like I know it's gonna roller coaster, but you know, the odds that it stays at 600 dollars to me felt pretty low. So um, my my friends have at least felt pretty ambitious. I think some of my more conservative friends have definitely uh, hunkered down more, which is understandable. But I mean, not just the stock market, though. Like, are people not going out to eat as much and stuff like that? Uh, I don't know. I don't... I, uh, I can't speak on that. I, I, I now live where I work. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, I thought that was going to be um... So, so for me, when, when you're in that type of situation, what I look for is how many cars are on the road. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, when I'm going to work, you probably haven't worked there long enough to know the real traffic patterns yet, Mm -hmm. you know, but those are things that I look at. So I noticed that I, in my ride to work, I have fewer cars on the road uh, when I'm my travel to work and I'm driving 27 miles. Yeah. And so, but I'm still seeing uh, quite a few like contractor type uh, vehicles, you know, heavy pickup trucks and vans with logos on them, Mm -hmm. uh, that type of thing. Personally, I want to drive a little bit less, you know, but I think that's everybody's inclination to some capacity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm still kind of holding cash because I feel like we have a lot more downside to go, but this is not financial advice. <laughs> so, well, so you have you have you have a couple of things hanging over your head. You have inflation, and you have uh, corporate earnings. If you have a global company, you have corporate earnings. If Microsoft starts, and I think even Apple started chirping about the strong dollar. So, when you look at that, you're going to see of uh, the global companies start to uh, miss their earnings or guide them down because of the um, exchange rates on the funds. That's not to say that their business is hurting. It's going to hurt earnings, but their business may not be hurting. Right. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things to look at as far as the catalyst. I mean, I think uh, I saw an analyst saying that uh, consumers still have, you know, about seven or eight months worth of excess cash to spend to ring, to, 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 to wiggle out of the economy. So they're still expecting things to be pretty good for seven or eight months. But after that, they're basically saying all bets are off. Well, that kind of lines up with uh, my hypothesis and thesis is that, they're going to try to kick the can down the road as long as they can past midterms is, I guess, my feeling is anytime things get weird in election years. So I, I don't think there'll be any giant moves until they can blame someone. The people in power can blame someone else for 
Right. Uh, well, so uh, whoever whoever wins the election can turn around and say, well, they lost because X or we won because X. Right. So and then, yeah, so that's just I don't know. I I think things will turn really down when things will get really bad is after the election is just my my uh, hypothesis. But that's that's kind of gambling. So, so, so <laughs> it's all going, gambling, going, isn't it? You're going for the election year hangover. <laughs> yeah, I think the Fed's being cautious because they don't want to have a political impact or something like that and crash the market with their rate hikes and then uh, and try to maintain a soft landing. Whereas the roost, the, <laughs> the chicken will come home to roost eventually and they won't be able to stave it off any longer. And that lines up with what you said about seven, eight months left of uh, savings for people. So, okay. Uh, I think things are kind of aligning in that direction, but uh, so I guess let's get into the research from last month. Uh, okay, so um, I'm looking here. The first pick I saw was Home Depot. I think that was a G pick, correct? Yeah. And um, so I I'm lo- I looked at the chart today. It looks like it's still where it was when we talked about it four weeks ago. So if you pick it, we'll get a nice buy opportunity because everything you pick, <laughs> everything I pick goes to shit. I know. <laughs> so, so wait for Home this Depot, pick, wait think, a couple days, and then buy. <laughs> I think Home Depot was uh, 308 or 302 or something like that. Friday's mm-hmm. close. Um, Morningstar rates it uh, fair value 255. They actually raised it. They said single digits percentage. I pushed it to 270, um, but when you when you look at uh, when you look at what they they've said because they just had earnings, they had super earnings, and um, they they're they're they said their projected backlog is still good for quite a ways into the future. Um, the stock is just not moving. I just don't think you're going to see anything move in the market, but. That trading near the bottom um, of its trading range is probably a safe, safe pick uh, at this point. It was a safe pick last month. I think it's still a safe pick. It's it's trading at the bottom, and and it's a I, th- I do believe it's a Dow Jones stock, and it's an S and P stock for sure. Um, I think that's a, I think it's a fairly safe pick. I don't see anything more wrong with it. Uh, in fact, this whole batch of stocks, well, just about the whole batch. I was going to say, I don't think there are any bad picks. <laughs> yeah, they were all, they were some, some better than others. Uh, yeah, the next one was Google and, um, Google Morningstar is a fair value of 3,600 on Google. And I think it's trading about 2250 or something like that. Yeah. Around there. Yeah. Uh, you're going to get a 20 for one split. You might see a bounce from that because more people will be able to afford to buy it. It's an extremely profitable company. I think it's the number two holding in the S and P 500. So it's it's. Um, I mean, it's solid, but it's. You Is know, there room for it to grow still? Uh, yeah, it's going to grow just because it's making so much money. It's a question of uh, it's the overall. These are all good picks. There's nothing really wrong with them, but the overall 
market sentiment is keeping everything down. Right. That, that's, like... that's, that's it in a nutshell. The overall market sentiment is keeping it down, and there's no real catalyst to drive any of these up. Okay? So what you're doing right now is you're really accumulating in the buy low zone. Okay? Mm-hmm. Can they go lower? Absolutely. But you are buying in the buy low zone. Through the next business cycle, these will all be super stocks. They will, they will be super. Do you think Google's getting to the point of maturity in which maybe they should take some of those profits and invest in a dividend for its shareholders? Or do you think that's they, still well, that, that may that may happen down the road? But right now, the the big split is a is a huge move for shareholders. That could be a massive catalyst to send it upward. Uh, you're going to get a bounce from it, but I don't think you're going to see a, a big catalyst going forward. Okay. The overall market sentiment is just negative. Negative on anything. Okay, okay. Okay, your next pick was Apple. Um, mm-hmm. I could say all the same things about Apple, as I said, about Google and Home Depot. Um, Apple is more subject to the supply chain constraints. But I did see that they were moving out of China and moving some production to Vietnam. So they are diversifying their supply base to try to avoid the uh, craziness that the Chicoms do with their COVID lockdowns. But and I believe it's the number one holding in the S&P 500. The, um, the SPY is very heavily Apple heavy. It's very heavily Apple. It's yes. Like- so Morningstar has fair value at 130. I think it was 140, 142. Um, I would, I would definitely be trying to buy anytime. It, anything, any, anything under 140, I'd be on it. Right. Okay. I mean, you can't go wrong with, so comparing Apple to Google, do you think there's more room for Apple to run or Google? Apple. You think there's more room for Apple to run? Yeah, Devin, your brother owns it, and he's had we. I've seen it as high as 190, 180 something. Yeah, 183, I think. Yeah, so I mean that you know you're talking about a 40 point run on Apple, which is you know, it doesn't sound like a lot when you can see Google move 40 points in a day. Okay, oh, when you're talking percentages, but still, right? Yeah, right. But I think you know. But like I said, you know, Apple, Google, Home Depot, Microsoft, you're not really, you're not really going to go wrong. Oh, man, we got some. Sorry. Driving fanatic. Yeah, just kidding. Going to leave. Oh, it's all good. Uh, so. on the road. Okay, so the next pick was Abby V. And I do own this stock. I still own it. I'm going to continue to own it. I think it's not at a price that I would accumulate any shares, but it's um, it's at an inflection point. Its biggest drug, Humira, is going off patent protection, and so the I'm you're you're basically now going to stand with management that they are going to be able to bring new products into the marketplace to generate sales to try to pick up where the sales from Humira drop off. And so this is this is a, can management execute and keep the stock afloat? And that's basically what you're going to be watching for. 
because I can assure you that if they fail, the market will punish them. Yeah, that makes sense. I, one of the articles I read was saying that they like to, a long time AbbVie holder, likes to accumulate AbbVie at prices when their dividend yield gets to above 4% of their share price. And then, because that generally is about where their dividend yield is. So if it's over that, then they're undervalued. And if they're it's under 4%, then their price is a little bit higher than uh, typical. All right, and that that would be that would be a that would be your uh, mechanisms for trade. Right. But, you know, like I said, management has to, management has to execute. If management doesn't execute, then it's going to get punished. So out of all the, there's no more picks, right? I think. That yeah, there's that. there's I got two more here. I got oh, a okay. Net, I got a Netflix. Uh, Netflix My has got <laughs> Netflix has got some systemic problems with. Uh, subscriber base that seems to be flattened out they're going to try to crack down on the uh, sharing and I, I believe they've now added ads to the uh to the to the shows so so if you're a subscriber and you're paying money and now you're watching commercials and you're paying money on a premium service you're probably not very happy um so i i think i think netflix has some some issues that they have to work through Management's got to find a way to bring value to the so that they can grow, bring value to the subscribers, and then subscribers will grow. But uh, in this environment, um, their shows got a little bit too uh, uh, lefty, and I believe that a lot of people just kind of bailed out. There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, new competitors to the market too. True. Their their moat got crossed i guess you could say is a low moat business so that's actually one that i would not i would not get into right now i would wait you might see it drift lower until you until there's some type of uh catalyst for change i just don't see that stock going anywhere at this point all right and the last pick was uh man i don't know i got ingr i don't know if that was me or you or one of you guys but i did it anyways. That's your son. Okay. And so that's a uh, defensive play. It's a uh, food stuff, um, consumer, consumable. Um, you know, they make uh, food oils and you know, some, probably some pro- health hair care, health care products. You know, stuff I like don't that. remember saying that one, really. Yeah. Now yeah. I don't remember it either. Okay, maybe it's one that I just found. Right, anyway, so, so it was ninety three dollars a share. Morningstar says it's worth one hundred and twenty. Um, the stock price has been flat since two thousand eighteen. So you're yeah. talking about four years of pretty much uh, nothing changing. It's got a sixty eight sixty five cents a quarter dividend. So it's basically uh, something you would probably put in your portfolio and uh, leave it alone and collect a check. And it, it's kind of like, uh, uh, you know, while interest rates are still pretty low, it's probably a pretty good, pretty good pick to hold in there as a substitute for like a CD rate. Well, you see, if there's something to do with food, the coming food shortages could really be a catalyst to send this uh, to the moon. Yeah, but I think, I think you're going to find pushback from the consumer. <laughs> I, I, I... yeah i agree i just i was kind of 
one of the things we talk about at work that kind of gets memed is the coming food shortages and whatnot from the Russian war in Ukraine and wheat prices going sky high. Well, the the food shortage is actually coming from um, not what you would think. Um, so the natural gas, the 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 Russia, it's partially the war. The uh, the Europeans were using natural gas from Russia. The natural gas from Russia has been shut down, and so they're buying natural gas from us. And they're taking all the supply that we have, which we normally use to make fertilizer. And so farmers are not buying fertilizer for their crops. So their yields are going to be lower and their products are going to be smaller. You know, you're going to have smaller fruits and vegetables and these types of things because they're not getting the fertilizer. Right. I don't know if, if you guys were aware of that, but natural gas. I've, I've heard the fertilizer issue in it. I thought it was more Russia was a big producer of ammonia and ammonia used in fertilizer. And now Russia is blacklisted. So we don't get that ammonia for. Right. And, and use, use natural gas for that. Okay. Yeah. I was also under the impression that Europe grew most of the wheat and everything else but apparently well, no. well for the rest of the world yeah ukraine did in fact yeah. uh, the russians have blockaded there's there's a whole bunch of uh wheat sitting in ukraine that they can't leave the country the russians won't let it leave so yeah the the african nations and the sub-saharan nations are going to be in shit trouble because they're not getting the wheat that they need for their for their peoples ah. But here in the United States, we we are a net exporter of wheat and corn and that type of stuff. So um, we're going we're just going to have smaller and sh- smaller yields, and you know it's just part of the Biden administration. You know everything just suddenly. <laughs> we don't need to get too political. Here. <laughs> Every everything everything the, the the Biden administration touches, we have a shortage of. Yeah. Okay. So out of these companies, you were saying there's a couple that couple that you wouldn't touch, but there's three that you couldn't go wrong with. Yeah, I I would say that um, I would say that Home Depot would be Home Depot and Google would be your your top picks. You think so? Yep. Pick one. It's going in the portfolio. Pick one. (laughs) And buy it like a week later, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give I'll give it the death kiss. I'm going with Home Depot. Home Depot. All right, I'll be looking to buy Home Depot around two forty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's forty. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's where I'm at. I think we finally right. understand how Jim Cramer feels. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so you guys got some picks for me? Yes. Uh, I guess I'll kick this one off. I'm full disclaimer. I'm having some trouble with research in terms of I think this market's crappy and over like a lot of stuff in the mid cap area that I was looking seemed still overvalued and there hasn't been anything I really wanted to buy. And I didn't want to keep coming here saying Apple, Microsoft and those kind of things. So that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but This one, so I'm going more with some narratives that could be strong uh, going forward. And this stock 
this next stock falls into the the electric car narrative still specifically the battery portion of the electric car and also catalytic converters so uh Albert Marley Corporation, ticker ALB, uh, they are currently sitting at a price of $250 a share. Uh, they, uh, so their PE is 104, so you know, it, 0.8, so you know, we're really getting into the EV market here. Fit in the, fit in the industry. <laughs> uh, so what they do so they're headquartered in Charlotte, North Carolina. They uh, develop, manufacture, and market specific specialty chemicals, in specific lithium and bromine catalysts. So they sell lithium for car ba- electric car batteries, and um, uh, these different. They have a lot of specialty chem. They're in a lot of different industries, but the reason why everybody's valuing the growth of this company is because of the lithium and the electric car market. Uh, recently, their last earnings report, they absolutely crushed expectations. Uh, they were expected to make $1.63 a share, and they blew that out of the water and made $2.38 a share, so beating it by a lot. Uh, they, they do pay a small dividend, um, not much, but... This is more of a growth play uh, along the narrative of electric cars uh, with the lithium. That's that's the narrative. I mean, their market cap is 29 bill, so it's kind of big, but there's still room to grow. Do you have any idea who they're selling batteries to? Uh, they're selling their lithium to... I do not have a customer list for them, actually, but... Uh, is it they, uh, one of the leading cons- or they're an American company and they're a leading producer of the uh, lithium. So, so I you don't you don't know if it's going to be Tesla's Gigafactory, LG, or um, well, who's the other so one? Panasonic. So they're currently headquartered in North Carolina, and I know Toyota's building their giant uh, battery plant over in the Carolinas as well. So there's already a location factor that could help them be um, a, I guess, catalyst for their sales. Uh, but there are they're a established company, so it's not like they're um, new up and coming trying to find customers, and they are making money currently. So, so this is a new niche product for them, right? Like their lithium was. Like where the catalyst and why they have such a high PE is because they're associated with electric cars now. And that's the narrative that I guess we're going with, but. <laughs> okay. So. All right. G1 I guess G1 that would G1 be the G1 news. I know you're part busy a lot. Do you, do, do you have a pick? Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to say I've done a ton of research. I, I have been very busy. Uh, <laughs> 80 hour work weeks do that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do. They do. Um, I was thinking kind of along the cyclical lines. Like I know we'll probably go down a little bit more. Um, and I know the stock isn't crazy, but I just, uh, GoPro just kind of fell off the cliff and I've watched it cycle through a bunch of times. 
And I noticed when people have more discretionary money, it tends to do a lot better. Probably just like everything else, but it's like it's a real it's super cheap stock. Um, Six eighty two a share right now. Market cap is one point zero nine billion. No dividend, obviously. Um, the fifty two week high is nearly double at nearly thirteen dollars. Um, PE. I just I want to pick something small for this one. Well, relatively small, I guess. We'll say. What's, what's the stock symbol for GoPro? GPRO, sorry. GPRO. It's a NASDAQ stock? Yes. Okay. The PE is 3.03. Um, and I'm trying to find the last earnings. Because obviously, they didn't do well. Oh, no, they're actually not terrible. They were up three cents over expected, but um, not very profitable because. Target looks like it was forced. Target was six cents and nine cents actual. Compared to the last quarter, they were up forty, you know, forty-one cents for their earnings quarter. Okay. So again, um, not a ton of research, obviously. I'm not going to say I did, um, but just something I've I've watched it. I've bought it a couple of years ago. I kind of like traded on and off cycles, um, and I've tended to do well with it, um, which is a shocker. <laughs> what is what is the cycle? Um, normally I'll just buy like a, know, I'll buy like a hundred shares when I feel like it's pretty low. I, I was watching it repeatedly go from, this is a, a, like a year ago at this point now, but I'd watch it repeatedly jump from like $8, um, a little bit under that. And I would always buy it a little under $8 and it would, it would always tick back up to $10 within a week or two or the longest period was a month. So I wasn't trading it on anything crazy, but 20% every single time I was pretty happy with. Yeah. So you're channel trading. So yeah. What kind of, I guess, what would be the catalyst to like, I guess, send it back to its price targets? I don't know. Like not, I'm not yeah. asking for your research, but in terms of like, what do you see as this company's like, what does it do well? And when would people buy this? I think um, I look at Go like GoPro is obviously like a really cool company from a digital film perspective, but I think it's a luxury. So people tend to spend and buy it as a purchase when they have more money. Um, their technology is always cutting edge. Like if you look at their stabilization video versus anybody else. So typically it's like either a new product launch or they're just being more money in the market in general, which obviously everything else will go up. But, um, but when I was first starting, that was like, you know, I looked at cheap stocks and that I knew of, and that was one that worked for me pretty well. So I would say product launches for the most part, or like a good earnings, which is, you know, typical of any company. I think I, in this recession, I think, or upcoming recession, and we saw something like 2008 happens, I think yeah. there's going to be a lot of people saying, I give up, I'm going to start a YouTube channel, and then they'll buy GoPros to start their YouTube channel. That's that's, that's my possible. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the job market, I'm buying a GoPro and starting a YouTube channel. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fair do, enough. Do, do people do use those for TikTok videos? Uh, you could do that for like mountain biking, which is huge out here in New Mexico, or rock climbing, which is huge out here in New Mexico. So, yeah. I think yeah. people use their phones a lot for TikToks, but if you're if you're active and you're filming, definitely, yeah. I think a GoPro is one of the most affordable yet high quality pieces of tech you can use. Yeah, definitely for like anything moving or active. So that's my 
people just saying, screw it, I'm starting a YouTube channel in the next recession. Yeah, that sounds just like you. (laughs) (laughs) Screw it, I'm starting a podcast. It sounds just like Baisley if you say, I'm going to start this YouTube channel and make a million (laughs) dollars. In a week. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're talking like him. (laughs) Yeah, all right. All right. All right, you got anybody else? Okay, I got it. I got. Are we good on GoPro? Yeah, yeah. All right. The next narrative I'm going after is energy in Europe. So we've all seen the terrible uh, thing that's happened. The rolling blackouts. You know, Russian oil got shut out. They they turned off all their nuclear plants in Europe. Well, they're gonna need to turn those back on. So I'm going with Cameco Corporation ticker CCJ. I know you don't like mining companies, Dad. But did you say CCJ? Yes. So I know what they do. They are a uranium and fuel services provider, and I think this can also be along the same lines of the electric car narrative. But I didn't want to do two of that. Two of that narrative. So. Uh, well, actually, my next one might be even a third of that narrative. But uh, with electric cars coming out, you know, you need lots of energy and electricity. And the only thing that can stably power a grid is natural gas, coal and uranium. So they provide uranium. And we've seen really good performance by the stock over the past year. Um, and I think along with the, that narrative, we can really see uh, along that same narrative of needing energy. I think we can continue to see the same momentum. I um, thought I, I thought I saw Germany restart one of their nuclear plants. So there you go. That benefits this company right there. Uh, <laughs> the price of uranium uh, going up. So their market cap is about ten billion. So they got more room to grow, but they're not tiny. Um, in terms of so that's the play I'm going with. Currently they're trading at twenty five dollars. They closed last market uh, closing at twenty five dollars flat. So uh, very affordable for retail. Uh, in terms of they beat earnings the last earnings, but they're like they just turned profitable. Which I mean that's good. They turned profitable. Uh, but normally mines are trouble having they have trouble being profitable. But I think the price of uranium, there's two narratives going for them. The electric car kind of in the background, nobody really talks about the need for more electricity. Uh, but also the more immediate term uh, price of uranium because of everything that's going on in Europe. So that's that's okay. my CCJ. How right. to capitalize on Europe's troubles. All right, G, what do you got? All right, I only have two. I know Basley has one more. Um, I got one more, but yeah, <laughs> he's outdoing me. He's out <laughs> me. Um, my last one, I, I want, I can't remember if I picked them or not. I don't think I have, but let me know. We can stop me early if I did. Uh, Airbnb. All right, Airbnb. You, I don't think you've done that one yet, but no, you didn't. Know. All right, cool. Uh, Ticker is A, B, and B. Um, we're looking at a 52-week high. Um, is $212. 52-week low of 103 currently sitting at 120 Market cap is quite large. We're at $77 billion. 
Um, I just, I, I look at the market. I feel like with everything going up, people aren't going on vacation as much. So I think it's at a low point. Um, it hasn't done great in its past earnings. So last quarter, um, they lo- actually lost money. They were down three cents a share. Um, but they beat the estimate by 26 cents a share. Uh, quarter before that, they were up only eight cents. And the quarter before that, they were at a dollar twenty-two, which would be quarter three, twenty twenty-one, which makes sense. They, obviously, their their best quarter is going to be summer. Um, but I look at my generation and anybody I ever talk to, um, it's oh, you, did you rent an Airbnb? Did you rent a Verbo? It's one of those two. Nobody nobody talks about oh, what hotel did you stay at anymore in my generation? At least in my friends, I've noticed that and. I think it makes sense. It's more personable every single time you leave. Um, it, you know, it just feel it feels more secluded, more private. Um, it, it is a bit, a little bit more costly, but um, if you work it out and have enough people, it ends up being actually significantly cheaper than a hotel sometimes. So um, I'm just looking at like the generational shift here potentially. Uh, I know there's a lot of competition, obviously, with hotels, and now there's other startups as well in the space, like Verbo, for instance. Um, but I think it's got a lot of potential, especially with the downturn, like it could go lower. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think on the upswing, once we get out of this, we start seeing more discretionary money again, it, it, it'll bounce up. At least that's my theory. Okay. Well, I've never stayed at an Airbnb, but we have stayed at VRBOs. Okay. What's, what's, uh, you know, is that talked a lot about in your friend group your colleagues is that anything that so that so so the basically what you're saying is is um if you're an airbnb or a vrbo what you're what you're doing is is you're saying do i want to stay in a hotel room or do i want to stay in a cabin in the woods or a house or a a place on the lake versus Mm -hmm. a hotel on the lake that's that's essentially the difference right i'm gonna go to the grocery store and i'm gonna cook meals in the in the building and we're going to have 10 people over and we're going to have a party, which you can't do, really <laughs> can't do in a hotel room because there just isn't any place to sit. Right. You know, and you can't spill out into the parking lot where if you're at a VRBO or a B- Airbnb, you can sit on the patio, you can use the hot tub, you can, you know, you're, it's, it's a, in actuality, it's a different type of vacationing. You know, so, um, you know, if I'm going to it's a it's more of a destination type mm-hmm. of uh, of um, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a destination type of vac- um, vacation trip, vacation <laughs> trip. I'll use the word trip. Yeah. Whereas like um, we stay at hotels a lot when we're we're traveling. We just need some place to sleep for the night and then we're bailing mm-hmm. out the next day and we're rolling. So, yeah, you're not going to, you know, we don't have 10 people with us. We're not going to be hanging out. We're, we're, we're landing, we're mm-hmm. crashing, we're getting breakfast in the morning, and we're rolling. So a hotel right. works perfect for that. that or, a, or a business occasion. I would say hotels definitely went in a business setting. Well, that's true, yeah. Well, they usually have a conference room and that kind of stuff. Right, but if you send if you send somebody to travel for work and even if they're not meeting for business at the hotel, you're probably putting them up in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah, okay. So you're you're you believe that there's still gonna be you believe that there's still gonna be some of that at some point that's gonna pick up. I think down the road. I'm not I don't I mean hard to say with this summer. I would say it'll be down compared to last year if I had to guess, just with money. Um but well it's gonna be gas prices. Yeah. Gas, gasoline is gonna keep people home. Yep, for sure. All right, I think in the future. All right. All right. You're going to cringe. Get ready to cringe. Uh, <laughs> I already know this is probably not going to be it, and I'm really mad at this stock anyway. I just wanted a chance to rant about it, too. Because <laughs> so, I own it. Full warning. I own it. H-I-M-X. Oh, are we going to go there again? We are going to go here. I need an outlet because it's frustrating me. For about a year now. <laughs> so, yeah, me too. I've been listening to you for about a year. It's my, pod- <laughs> it's my podcast, and I pick what I want to talk about. And I want to talk about this. So, HIMX, they design display drivers for electronic devices, and uh, they are a fabulous semiconductor company so they don't actually make anything but they design things and still sell them and contract out the fabrication to uh taiwan semiconductor so they are based in taiwan uh which i guess could lend itself to being at a discount because everybody's watching what china's going to do with taiwan but i have an interesting perspective on this that i would like to also share uh, so currently their market cap is 1.6 billion. So the smallest stock we've talked about today, I think, unless GoPro was smaller, their PE ratio is only three. So this company has been around forever. They go in cycles, but there's a difference in uh, the, the bulls and the bears diverge. And right now the bears have control because the bears just think it, that, oh, their profit margins are only where they're at and they're more profitable now because of the whole chip shortage and everything. Whereas the bulls say and what company management says is that their margins are up because they've switched to selling higher margin products. So they used to make displays for televisions and cell phones and those were pretty low margin products. Now they sell display drivers for electric vehicles specifically with the giant market in china and this company is not demand constrained they are um supply and margin constrained on how much money they can make because there's only so much fab space uh that they can take up to contract out so even if there's more demand they can only meet however much they can contract out in terms of uh semiconductor fab time so where the bulls and bears diverge is bulls say that because they are their higher margins are here to stay because they switched products and now they are selling high margin products whereas the bears say oh their margins are going to go away it's only temporary so they've been making money hand over fist for the past year couple years now since they changed products and their P.E. ratio is so low because the bears think it's only temporary. As soon as we start to see that a few more consistent quarters of this or years and people are like, OK, this is here to stay, then 
we'll see a price go to the moon. This is very people to the, the moon. To the moon. People in the Hymex stockholder community like to compare <laughs> this to AMD like 10 years ago. Back, AMD was held down for so long by the darn short position people, the darn shorts keeping them down. And so, and then we, when AMD finally proved themselves as continuously growing, we see the explosion that happened. So, this is one of those ones where I think that could be similar. Uh, the catalyst also in this market sentiment of everything getting beaten down, this is a company that's making a lot of money and currently like trading at a discount. So it'd be, a, it's even more appealing because of the, uh, market sentiment as a whole. The catalyst to drive it upwards is in a month, they are going to distribute, or at the end of this month, they're going to distribute their one-year dividend, which is a 13% dividend, $1.25 a share for a stock price trading at $9.40. That's a huge dividend. And so that could be the catalyst for lots of buying, send it upward, then some momentum, and to the moon basically and so yeah and my yeah. perspective on why maybe being taiwan company uh being a positive thing is because if china i mean when china takes over taiwan and they leave all the infrastructure intact then they're just gonna hire the chinese government will hire hymax to make they'll they'll be extremely profitable in china because they currently sell like their current customer base is entirely the chinese ev market which is you know going to the moon too so you know with china's communist party taking over it, they're already only sell in china so it could just make it make more money that, yeah well the chinese government won't let them be too profitable Right, but there'll be still like we've seen lots of Chinese companies go to the moon, so. Mm. All right, that, I've, heard, I've heard all this story before for about a year. Yes, so, so, but I wanted the chance to rant some more. Okay, well you got your chance, <laughs> and now G and you were forced to listen to it, and the viewers. We'll have to listen to it too, unless they just turn it off at this point. So, so let me but, ask you a question. Yes. How are, how are viewers going to witness this podcast? They find this podcast on Spotify. Uh, I have a Twitter in which I tweet out my new episodes. And yeah, but you don't you don't watch a podcast. No, okay. They li- they watch it with their ears. Okay. okay. <laughs> and what planet are they from? <laughs> the planet that Hymax is going to once it passes the moon. <laughs> and make a million dollars. <laughs> right. So now that you've heard that spiel, okay. you have homework to do. <laughs> <laughs> we also have homework to bring you not as garbage picks for next time. Agreed. <laughs> but, uh, how Hymax also 
if it ties. I thought we were done talking about that. (laughs) I just wanted to add one more thing that just tie it all together. That it fits my other two picks narrative of electric vehicles too, because that's their new high margin product. That was that was the narrative. I just wanted to reiterate that point. So, consider reiterated. My um my take on the electric cars are is. I'm buying the electric utilities. Yeah, I mean, I feel that was a, a good play, and I, you can see that they're doing well now too. I, I don't know. I have trouble. Like, uh, no, that was actually last summer. That was like my hypothesis. I bought a bunch of electric utilities because I was like, electric cars need more electricity, so electrical companies will make more money. But, yeah, the, the problem right now is, is that electric utilities have PE ratios of like 35, and that's just not. That's not an electric utility PE usually. Right. But All right. It's been great having you guys. Thanks for coming on. What, you don't have any NFTs you got to sell? Oh, yes. Yeah, is the Those market are... down to so no NFTs? <laughs> My NFTs are on sale for like 30 cents because the price of Ethereum dropped so much. But <laughs> You heard it first, guys. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. Come find me on OpenSea. You can buy my little ninja drawings uh, from the future celebrity because the Rad Life podcast is going to take off with all our awesome the moon for the million dollars because of our awesome stock picks that people are just going to come here knowing that we're killing the market and so our i mean our niche could become we give it the death kiss and then everybody like three weeks later is very happy with us right so, well right. yeah they they short it they should actually be shorting it That's they, true. Short they can make it. money both ways Brilliant. and then it hits the they say oh what big todd say immediate home short. depot <laughs> and then it's like immediate short it hits its bottom and then people buy it and then Boom. It back up. there you go brilliant that, so. it's, it's the perfect way to buy low to the moon <laughs> right so anything you suggest on this show that they should just wait like two weeks or so it'll be at its bottom and then <laughs> anyway thanks for coming on uh and I know we're all busy, so let's. Uh, but I think we're doing the best with what we can. And uh, thanks for coming on, and keep tracking the Rad Life portfolio. I should uh, tabulate our results so far and see if we're beating the market year to date here since we started. But we're uh, probably red. <laughs> yeah, but as long as we're less red than the market, we're true beating the market. That's true. That's true. So. All right, boys. All James, right. Thank good talking you. to you. Good luck, man. Thank you. 18. All right. Yep. I'll see All you right. in a couple weeks. Signing out. All, All right. right. Later.